welcome to the Australian Abortion Stories podcast, a space for women and people who have experienced abortions to share their stories. I'm your host, Kelsey, and let's get into today's episode. I'd like to begin today's podcast by acknowledging that I sit here recording this for you today on the lands of the Ghana people of the Adelaide Plains. I pay my deepest respects to country, to the Ghana people and to elders past, present and emerging. I also extend this respect to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander person who is tuning into this podcast today. everyone welcome to another episode of Australian abortion stories my name is Kelsey I'm your host hope you're doing well today Um, there's obviously been a lot going on um, in the world and in media at the moment about abortion given what's happening in wow it's a lot of words um, in America with the potential dissolution of the Roe versus Wade precedent so just another timely reminder that if you are experiencing people coming to you talking about this in small talk situations, friends, family, colleagues. It's entirely appropriate for you to set boundaries around that. Just say, hey, I don't really feel like talking about this. It's a bit much. It's a bit intense. Um, or on the other flip side, it could be a really good opener to have more talks about abortion <laughs> um, and help reduce the stigma. Speaking of which, um, I've just got a small segment that I've recorded with Sarah Ratcliffe, a researcher from the University of Sydney. Today with me on the podcast, I have the lovely Sarah. Welcome, Sarah. (laughs) Thank you, Kelsey. Lovely to be here. So I thought maybe we could just start with, yeah, you introducing yourself, what your work is, um, and yeah, a brief outline of your research project at the moment. For sure. Um, So I'm Sarah Ratcliffe and I'm currently on Gadigal land of the Uruguay Nation. And over the past three to four years, I've been researching abortion stigma at the University of Sydney as part of my PhD. So we're currently seeking people to complete an anonymous online survey. And this could be anyone who's had an abortion, provided abortion-related care or publicly supported abortion in Australia. And the purpose of the study is to help us test ways to measure abortion stigma and then to determine evidence-based approaches to ensure stigma-free healthcare. Sounds wonderful. <laughs> Sarah, can you tell us a little bit about how the results from your survey and research project will be used and what the intention is there? Yeah, so the study is testing ways to measure abortion stigma in Australia and the tools that we are testing will be used to impact the different actions have on experiences of abortion stigma. So, for example, if we change policy, what's the impact on people's experiences of abortion stigma? Mm -hmm. Uh, Can we change clinical care, such Mm -hmm. as uh, better informed GPs about providing abortion uh, care? Is that going to help people's experiences of abortion stigma and reduce or eliminate stigma from Mm. abortion care? Mm, Great. Um, What you are saying is that you're looking for people who have had abortions in Australia. Is there any time parameters for that? You can, uh, anyone who's had an abortion um, and has an experience related to that abortion in Australia can participate. Uh, If you have had an abortion in the last three years or know someone who had had an abortion in the last three years, Mm -hmm. we are specifically seeking those people as well. Okay, yeah. And then people who also work or have worked in abortion-related care services, so midwives, doctors, clinic staff, 
Absolutely. Yeah. So anyone from pharmacists to the person who makes the booking at yeah. the medical centre, um, counselling over the phone, if that's the mm -hmm. case, uh, nurses, doctors, OBGYNs, GPs, anyone that's part of abortion-related healthcare can participate, yeah. and anyone who has publicly supported abortion. So think, have you been to a march during law reform or more recently? Mm -hmm. uh, have you spoken out on maybe social media about your perspectives yeah. on abortion or the need for abortion to be better integrated into comprehensive healthcare? Mm -hmm. um, do you speak to your friends and families about abortion? Any of those type of things, you're welcome to participate as well. And is there any time limits on participating in your survey? It's May 2022 now, so... We will be recruiting until the end of May 2022, potentially yeah. into early June okay. 2022. And yeah, where can people access further information on the study if they're interested or contact you if they have further questions? So the easiest way to find the study details and follow along with the research is to look for the Instagram page at abortion stigma research or one word, mm -hmm. or you can Google abortion stigma research at the University of Sydney where the study details are on the university research volunteer page mm -hmm. as well as at our email address abortion.studies at sydney.edu.au okay great and i'll put all those um yeah contact details in the show notes as well thank you for considering to participate or participating or sharing the study on to those who may be eligible uh, and together i hope that we can keep working towards comprehensive safe accessible stigma-free healthcare for everybody also, just a, a note before we get into Jessie's story today. Um, so Jessie shares with us her three abortion stories and there is some mention of sexual assault um, in her story. So if this is something that um, you, you know may be triggering for you, um, I encourage you to just sit this episode out. Um, and likewise, if you or somebody you know has experienced sexual assault and would like to talk to somebody, um, obviously a counsellor is a really good option, but also White Ribbon Australia is an organisation um, against the, the violence of women and has a support line on, let me find the number, she wasn't prepared, oh my god, where is it? 1-800-RESPECT-737-732 is their helpline, it's available 24 hours. And likewise, um, Lifeline has their crisis support line also 24-7 on 13, 11, 14. And I'll pop that in the show notes too. If you would like to support the continuation of this podcast and donate some money, um, appreciating my, my time and the equipment and subscriptions needed to run this podcast, I've created a Buy Me A Coffee account. Um, so you can chip me a few dollars via that. I'll put the link in the show notes as well as in the link tree on my Instagram. Jesse, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Hello. Before we get started, I would just like to acknowledge that I am on the lands of the Ghana people of the Adelaide Plains, and I would like to, yeah, acknowledge um, their people, their elders, past, present, and emerging. And do you know what country you're on in Victoria? Um, yes, uh, I live in Gippsland, okay. um, and the traditional custodians of our land is the Gunai Kurnai people. Hmm. Um, and I would also love to pay respects to elders past, present and emerging um, for the hmm. us recording and living and working on stolen land. Yeah, lovely. 
Okay, so yeah, thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. Did you want to tell the listeners just a bit about yourself, your name, um, where you're living, what you do with yourself? Yeah. <laughs> um, so my name's Jessie. Um, I am 30 years old. Um, I live in Gippsland at the moment, but I have previously lived in Melbourne. Um, and I live with my little family. Um, my little son who's seven months old, um, my partner, we have two cats and um, a dog. Um, big family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, big family. Kind of always wanted to have animals and um, always wanted to have my own family. And um, I come from an education background and I am also a social worker, um, but I'm mm. currently on like extended um maternity leave so yeah, yeah. working in a different way <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> work is a break really <laughs> yeah okay um and so we've jumped on today because you have a couple of abortion stories you would like to share yes yes so yeah where did you want to begin where does your first story start okay so um i I really wanted to share my story because I have had more than one abortion. I've actually had three abortions. Um, and I think it's important to talk about um, because I felt a lot of shame um, having more than one abortion. I don't know. Mm. I think it's like not spoken about as much. It's like I feel like sometimes it's like the assumption that it's okay to have one abortion. You can have one abortion, make a mistake um, when you're young or whatever, mm. but having more than that um, across a lifespan. Um, I mean, from me, I felt shame about it until I worked through that shame. Mm. Um, and that's why I wanted to speak about my story because yeah, it's about abortion um, throughout my life and my mm. experience with it so mm. yeah yeah that's a beautiful yeah. reason <laughs> yeah I, like I, I know so many women who have had abortions friends family um mm. but not often do I speak to women who have had um more than one mm. um and yeah I wanted to be that voice for mm. women like me yeah especially with what's happening at the moment in America. Um, and I know that women all over Australia and the world are just crying, <laughs> so scared mm. um, with what's happening. And, um, yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's a big thing, isn't it? I, I've wondered, um, yeah, I mean, it's been a big weekend in Australia, I think, for women who've, experience an abortion are considering one a lot of stuff's coming up with America and also it was Mother's Day um oh, so I'm just really feeling for people at the moment but I haven't felt like I had the capacity to say anything on socials because I've also been doing a lot of processing and crying and yeah really feeling for everybody in America like yeah I really I hope like that doesn't go through but I feel like it really could there's so much grief mm. in um, motherhood in um, in what's happening in the world and um, 
it's massive. I totally resonate. I felt yesterday I wanted to really speak about motherhood and um, the grief that mm. is wrapped around it in the context of the world that we're in, but I just don't have capacity because I'm so tired. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it is, yeah, it is. Yeah. <sighs> okay. <laughs> yes. So your first story. Yeah. Where does that begin? Where were you living at the time and how old were you? What was going on for you? So I was actually, I grew up in Gippsland area um, and in regional, in a small regional town. Mm. Um, And I was 17 at the time. So I was still in high school Mm. um, and I was really just a kid. Um, I... You know, you look back on when you were 17, 18, and I really had no idea who I was or what I was doing. I think women are indoctrinated into this society within patriarchy. It's like all about just boys and like the attention of men. And mm. um, I was definitely wrapped up in that in the small town. Um I lost my virginity to my boyfriend at the time um, who I eventually fell pregnant to. Um, Mm. And when I think about that period in my life, I really had no idea about safe sex. I had no idea Mm. about my rights um, within sex. It was all about Mm. pleasing him, um, Mm. which I think is a common theme for young women Mm. Um, my own mother was from a very traditional Christian background um, and I think she struggled throughout her life with that being a sexual woman Mm. or you know being different than the good girl Mm. Um, and a lot of repressed stuff I guess so Mm. um, and so all that to say I was thrown into a relationship where I was having sex Mm. um, which wasn't safe um, and I had no idea even that I mean I knew I could get pregnant but Mm. I just it happened and Mm. it happened to me. What what was your were you in high school at the time you were 17? Yes yes so I was in high school um and did you have any sex education in high school? What was that like? I did in like um, early years, oh, sorry, um, in year seven. Um, mm. And I, I remember it being a lot of um, like joking around and a, a kind of a teacher who was a man um, mm. who didn't really want to take that sex education class. Um, (laughs) and you know it was like a questionnaire I remember it being a questionnaire um to kind of like get the right answers and I actually failed it Mm. um because I just didn't take it seriously I didn't Mm. realize there was no talk about consent there Mm. was no talk about anything to do with boundaries or your Mm. rights um to your own body um it was mm. just a bit of a joke, really. Mm. 
It's interesting you say that about the year seven, because when I think about my sex education, I also think about the sex ed class we had in year seven, which was all about anatomy. And that's it. I know. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like previous to that, I was in a Catholic school and I remember the, the education around menstruation is just like, I remember watching a video and it was like, just seems so like frowned upon and dirty and like, you know, mm. using sanitary items, you get like a pack and you're like, oh, wow. Like, mm. it's like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I wish that, and I hope that I can do this with my child, that mm. um, I'm able to talk to him about all these things, especially him being, well, until he tells me otherwise, a, a boy. Mm. Um, and I hope that I can be open with him about my journey and like, you know, being a woman in this world. Um, yeah. Mm. I felt like I couldn't really talk to my own mother about sex and I like I think that's a reason why I ended up pregnant at 17. So uh, you weren't using any contraception at the time? I think it was like pull out method um, and I'm I don't even I can't even remember when it actually happened but um, mm. I remember um, my boobs were just massive straight away like they were just mm. so big and I was like oh like this is like oh something's up here and mm. yeah got a test and told my best friend and um I was as I said in a regional area mm. I, I didn't really know what was available to me I didn't even know that abortion was really available to me to be honest mm. I thought that I was going to have to have a baby mm. at that time which was really scary yeah I can imagine yeah. being yeah. 17 so well, it's scary at any age <laughs> yes it is it is mm. especially when you're not ready hey yes yeah mm. it's terrifying um and especially when you're a kid you don't know mm. what you're doing you don't you have no idea you're not mm. supported in ways that you need to be supported and mm. you end up pregnant and it impacts your life it can mm. impact majorly yeah so you told your best friend I told my best friend um and I was so like I didn't know what to do I just thought well for me like what's going to happen do I have to have this baby like I don't know I just remember feeling so scared um and I was so scared to tell my mother um because I feel like we had never spoken about sex and I didn't know how she would feel about me being pregnant um mm. she didn't really approve of the relationship at the time um, which only fueled me to want to be with that person more. Um, <laughs> and I mean, she was right, but you know, when you're a teenager, you just want to do your own thing. Yeah. Um, and I was, I ended up telling mum and mm -hmm. it was the start of our relationship changing at that point. It was the mm -hmm. start 
us being both women and us being both honest and raw with each other. So Mm. I told my mother that I was pregnant and she took some time to reflect. I remember her being quite quiet. Mm. Um, And then she came back to me and said, "Um, Jess, I... um, I've done some research, um, I've looked online um, and there's um, an abortion um, clinic in Melbourne, um, mm. but she didn't push anything on me. Um, she didn't suggest that that's what I needed to do, but she said that she would support me if um, I wanted to get an abortion. And mm. honestly, it changed my life. It changed my, <laughs> I didn't even know that it was possible and I didn't know that my mum would have those kind of um, views on it. I thought Mm. she would have the opposite actually. Mm. Um, I can imagine that took a lot of courage to tell your mum. Yeah, yeah, it was, Mm. it was. Um, But there was no other way, you know. Mm. Like (laughs) I I don't think, I didn't have any money. and abortion's expensive. It is. Mm. It shouldn't be the cost that it is. Um, and I was in a regional area. Mm. And if I didn't tell my mother, um, things might have been very different for me. Mm. Yeah. And it's interesting, like, obviously, that was quite a few years ago now. But um, yeah, it's abortion in most states, you still have to pay out of pocket. And also with the the regional access it's still an issue because you know people have to leave their hometowns if there's nothing accessible there and travel get accommodation I know around it teenagers really struggle with that people of low income really struggle with that yeah yeah people with families (laughs) yeah abortion is a privilege it's Mm. honestly um and it was expensive back then. I remember it being mm. like 800 to 1,000. And wow. um, it was a surgical abortion in Melbourne. Um, mm-hmm. So that was a lot of money back then. Um, mm. but now, it's like, I don't know, a lot of families couldn't afford it. A lot of young people can't afford it, as you said. So mm. yeah, it's, a, it's a privilege, honestly. <sighs> True. Yeah. Um, so your mum suggested this this clinic to you, but she wasn't pushing you. So how did you come to that decision yourself? Um, I I knew ex- like as soon as she suggested it that I, I wanted to do that. I yeah. didn't have any kind of going back and forth about it. Um, yeah, I loved my partner, my boyfriend at the time, but mm. uh, he he was problematic in a lot of ways, and. Um, he was just a kid. Um, I spoke to him and he said that um, he would support me either way. Um, mm. And I just told my mum I would like to do it. And she was great. She handled all the phone calls and um, talked me through kind of what was going to happen. And as you said, we had to travel all the way. It cost, cost more money for petrol and um, accommodation. Mm. We stayed there. In Melbourne, mm. and um, it was about a three hour trip. Mm. And um, yeah, like looking back on that memory of us all driving to Melbourne, it's like 
doesn't feel real. Um, mm. And did your boyfriend go with you at the time? Yeah, so he yeah. came. Okay. Um, mm. And that was lovely, honestly. Um, mm. It was nice to have them both there. Um, I felt I, like I've had other abortions where I've been by myself. Um, mm. That's been tough. Um, yeah, and this was the time when there was actually protesters out the front of um the clinic Mm. and one of my like the big core memories for me was psyching myself up we were sitting in a car Mm. and we were watching them with their posters Mm. um saying stuff and I just said to my mum like it's okay like I'm just gonna walk past and I'll take a brochure like I'll just I'll say thank you and I'll keep walking Mm. um and I just was so scared of them (laughs) Mm. I wasn't scared of what was going to happen um and we walked past them and I'll never forget this woman this older woman was standing there and I just said oh yeah thank you thank you tried to keep walking and Mm. she said oh you know you're killing your baby and um I'll never forget my mother just turned into this like lioness, like um, just like the sheer force of motherhood, like protecting her, her own baby. Mm. And she just like screamed at this woman and said, don't you fucking talk to her. Like say what you want, but don't you fucking talk to her and say that. Mm. And then I just, in that moment, like, and I always think about that moment and mm. It's one of the most powerful moments of my life, honestly. And Mm. um, she just wanted to protect her baby and she valued my life Mm. and my choices more than anything else. Um, And I really saw her love for me and her protection of me. Um, And that woman said, well, basically, you're killing your grandchild. And she was mum just said fuck off like (laughs) um and we went in and Mm. yeah yeah had the the counseling session that um you had to have and then the ultrasound to confirm Mm. um yeah yeah that sounds pretty harrowing that uh almost like running the gauntlet that type of protest yeah 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 yeah. I don't know when it came into Australia that that was, I don't know if it's a state law or if it's a national law, but I know it's now illegal, but I know that they do still, I mean, it's the, what do they call it? They have to be a certain amount of meters away from the entrance and they can't be like shouting at you and talking to you, but people still sit there on like a table as like a, yeah yeah come and talk to us if you want and their presence is still there so yeah so that I've had experience that. The, the proper like aggressive people out the front and then I've had the my mm-hmm. second and I went there and yeah they were across the street but still there mm-hmm. and, and um I'm so happy that that was um made illegal um mm-hmm. cruel yeah and to think like 
you know, if you think about the Catholic Church as an organisation, like it's built on oppression of women and children. It's built on really problematic systems and they are still rallying for forced birth. Mm. It's wild to me. Mm. It's definitely interesting. Mm. It is. So you went in and you had a surgical abortion. Yes. Do you want to speak yep. about that at all? Um, I don't really remember much, to be honest, after that. Mm. Like, yeah. it's just like going, you know, everyone was lovely. The clinic was lovely. Um, I wasn't scared. It's weird. I was like more scared about the protesters. Mm-hmm. Um, and just went into the operating room and then woke up. It was quite disconnected Mm. which is probably what I wanted then and what I needed and then we went home the next day and Mm. didn't really talk about it ever again until like later um Mm. but yeah and I just didn't think about it I I had not reflected on it until I was quite older Mm. um Mm. But I thought I was the only one too. I thought I was the only one who had gone through that. And, um, yeah. yeah. And I was the only one of my friends at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what happened after that for you? I know that you've got, um, yeah, a couple of stories. So yeah. what happened in the time period between then? Um, and where does your next story begin, really? Yeah. Um, so I guess I started growing up, I finished school and, um, started university. I was doing teaching, Mm. um, me and my first boyfriend obviously didn't make it. Although like, um, we were on and off for many years. Um, and I was just studying, working in like, customer service and um yeah just normal kind of life I still wasn't I mean I I went on the pill after that first um abortion I was offered Mm. the pill and um then I don't think I stayed on it for too long maybe a year or two I just wasn't coping on it um Mm. I turned into a completely different person I didn't recognize myself at all um so Mm -hmm. I kind of kind of flipped between being on the pill and not using other forms of contraception um and I was dating a new boyfriend at the time um Mm. and yeah we were in the throes of a new relationship you know thinking we're adults we were adults but you know really we were still so young and mm. um just lots of partying um a lot of substances were involved and mm. um yeah we went away for new years on a camping trip and we were just kind of well we had a great time up the coast and <laughs> <laughs> sounds yeah, great <laughs> i love was- camping <laughs> Yeah, it was great. We just had a car and a, and a tent and um, it was great. It, 
it was a period before um right before my mum um got sick and mm. yeah got back from that trip and it was around um after Christmas New Year's time mm. got back and mum called me saying that yeah had, had made a phone call saying that she was um in a lot of pain and that she was coming into the hospital and that's when um that kind of um started that mm. found out that my mother was had cancer Mm. um that her actually sorry we found out that her cancer had metastasized and returned so within that period she was unwell um for about two years and she did chemo but Mm. then had returned at that point okay what type of cancer did she have she had bowel cancer um Mm. then it metastasized to her bones Mm. she didn't even have any time of like between treatment um when it started I just kind of thought that she would be fine um Mm. at the start like you can't even fathom at Mm. the start um and then we got back from the trip and I just saw in her eyes that she was terrified Mm. and and then I also found out that I was pregnant at that time so um it was like you couldn't Mm write that this just was so massive Mm. um so I was set to finish my teaching degree at that time I was in my final year um and I put that on hold and Mm. stopped working to care for my mum um Mm. and yeah I was also um in early pregnancy when we Mm. found out so it was like really really tough time really really challenging to navigate Mm. um because you're in the throes of sheer just so scared and just you're in survival mode Mm. um and yeah you have to yeah deal with that as well it's like Mm. life and life and death and um mm. yeah pregnancy it's it was all intertwined at that stage mm. Mm. did um you mentioned your mum's cancer had metastasized did you know it was terminal at that point when she went back into hospital with her pain when she went in for pain the we which eventually transferred to melbourne where mm-hmm. she had that scan or like a big scan of her whole body um because yeah. I couldn't get on top of her pain at that stage and hmm. um then yeah uh the the specialist came in and had told us um that it was terminal um and I actually told my mother that I was pregnant not that day or anything but like in that period I had to tell her because hmm. I didn't know what to do and I had no money hmm. um and I also wanted to ask her if she wanted me to have the baby um, because she was mm. terminal and we didn't know. Mm. Um, and that was really another, like, massive um, memory for me and my mum because she just looked at me and said, I don't want you to ruin your life for anyone else. Like, don't 
change your life for anyone else but you. Mm. Um, and that kind of has carried with me um, throughout my whole life, like how important it is to protect my life and my happiness. Mm. Um, and, you know, even though she was dying, she didn't want me to, and I think she knew the gravity of what it is to be a mother and become a mother and yeah. she wanted me to do it on my time. Mm. And, yeah. And I had a lot of shame. I thought, how could I get pregnant again? Um, mm. You know, I thought I was being safer this time, even though I wasn't. Mm. I was having fun. I was not thinking. Um, my mum had just been, you know, diagnosed with bowel cancer. I think that was a play in it. I was kind of just all over the place, like mm. having fun and not thinking and drinking and whatever. And yeah, and then reality sets in, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Big thing to grapple with um, a parent dying before their time. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's massive. Mm. Um, and it, it's, um, it was, I think I was just surviving and part of that surviving was to go to my mum and mm. really open up to her and talk to her about what was happening. Mm. And um, she ended up just, she paid for my second abortion and mm. um, that was that was with the, the partner I had at the time. Mm. Um, and, yeah. Mm. Did you talk to your partner um, about it at all? Was he involved in the decision that you made? Um, yes, I did talk to him. Um, I told him um, pretty much straight away. Yeah. Um, and he was quiet about it. He said that, you know, it's my decision, whatever I wanted to do. And obviously yeah. lots were happening at that period. Mm. Um, and I really was yearning for him to support me more, I think, upon mm. them, um, just in an emotional capacity. Mm. But um, he wasn't able to ever um, support me in that respect. Um, mm. He came with me to get the abortion. I had a um, surgical abortion again for that one. Yeah. Um, and were, you were still living in regional Victoria, is that right? Yeah, I was. I was. Yeah. So did you yeah. have to travel again to Melbourne? Yes, I did. Um, yeah. I remember getting up early in the morning um, to drive all the way down to make it on time. And I was calling, mm. trying to wait, like, for him to come with me and he wouldn't pick up his phone. And, like, mm. hour went past and I was like, he's not coming. Um, and I mm. went to and then he eventually did come. Mm. Uh, and we were just up and back in that day and didn't really it was kind of the same process um yeah I wasn't worried about it I was just thinking about my mother to be honest like I mm. had no capacity to even think about what was happening um mm. and I I had I had more understanding of abortion um mm. within the context of our society um, and I still carried a lot of shame about my first one. And then I uh, had mm. um, a lot of shame. So I just pushed that down. 
um, yeah. anyway and had to just deal with it the way, the best way I could at the time. Mum never really spoke about it. Wasn't important in the context mm. of what was going on. Mm. Oh, so what happened? Um, yeah, did you want to speak about what happened with your mum after that? Yeah. Yeah. So I moved, she lived um, in a really small country town um, and, mm. yeah, I went to live with her and care for her and mm. that was interesting because it changed our relationship again in that mm. goals had changed dramatically because her cancer was quite aggressive. Yeah. Um, and so I took on a carer role which really it initiates you into the being a mother yourself. I mean, mm. for your, a parent is physically demanding, it's emotionally taxing, mm-hmm. and it's monotonous and every day does come and you can't believe that it is coming. Mm. That the next day is going to come. You think that the whole world has changed, but it has and your world has changed obviously but um yeah those big shifts and my mum she's a very proud woman Mm. and having her child look after her was very hard for her Mm. very hard for her and um and then she eventually passed away um Mm. And she was only 49, so really young. Oh, poorly dolly. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. That's really tough. That sucks. Yeah, yeah. Like mm. it it it's it will never be okay. And you know, mm. it does and grief is forever. And you know, especially when we're talking about Mother's Day and mothers within context of the world. Um, mm. and I just especially now that I become a mother I just recognize and understand so deeply the love she had for me and my siblings and the work that she did mm. for us you don't really know and really until you're in it mm. um and yeah yeah it's nice that you've got those, um, well, not nice, but, you know, interrelated in your your journey through fertility and motherhood and whatnot, that you've got those memories of your mum supporting you really fully. Yeah, I think it is mm. not. I think it's made our, it made our relationship so strong. Mm. And, and I'd never seen her like so vulnerable. And I think it actually helped me to take on, that carer role and for her to accept it from me we Mm. were like closer we were yeah no hiding at that point like Mm. you know nothing else really mattered but it it was nice actually it Mm. it was weirdly enough Mm. and I always think about her and my pregnancies and Mm. yeah I always think about it It she makes me who I am Mm. And the work I do, you know, I've always cared for people within my work and I care greatly about the rights of people, the rights of women. So, 
Yeah. Mm. I don't know if I'd be the same mm. if that hadn't have happened. Mm. Um, oh, sorry. Oh that's okay. <laughs> it also makes me think about, I mean, I know this is something that would have come up for you, but um, the Australian government's bowel screening programs starting at 50. Yes. You know, your your mum was obviously a lot younger than that when she did have bowel cancer. So it makes me wonder if there is a push for that to be lowered. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know. And like, yeah, like, I don't know if we would have ever known. It just like was so quick, um, mm. the whole thing. So from like have, having some pain in her abdomen and to diagnosis it was so quick and um to her death it was quite quick you know it was in Mm. quite a quick time frame and um yeah I always wonder and like when COVID was happening and I was hearing about all the women who weren't getting checks for breast cancer Mm. because you that kind of preventative health care wasn't happening as much Mm. I was like this is so hard you know Mm. like so hard for people Mm, yeah Mm. okay well yeah I I don't know what to say I'm just really sorry that you lost so young and in in that way but um yeah thank you so much that's really kind I I um you you never know how to respond but people really care Mm. when people that and you know you meet people who have lost parents and you're like in this shitty club and you're like Mm, yeah yeah okay so you've got another story as well yes so yeah that this story is a bit different um Mm. because it was after my mother's death um and it was it wasn't long after her dying actually so Mm. just to put it in context I was still like in deep grief um mm. I was just I wish I could go and hug that young girl woman woman I wish I could go and hug her and just say you know you're doing amazing because I just was a I don't know how I was working or studying but I was I was mm. you know I moved in with the boyfriend at the time who was actually the same boyfriend throughout from the first from the previous um abortion so we had stayed together through that um and I think I kind of clang on to him after her death because she knew him um Mm. and she had said goodbye to him and I was scared to let go of that Mm. because I was scared to move forward really um Mm. and so yeah we were living together playing house um and it came apparently clear that I just we weren't working Mm. we weren't in love anymore at all um and I was pulling away like quite a lot I didn't even want to be around him I was didn't want to be around him in my own house um Mm. I ended up wanting to just sleep separately um and he wasn't 
happy about that. Um, and he could feel that I was pulling away. And I think he became increasingly angry mm. and violent towards me at the end. Um, mm. And it was really, really sad. He was unhappy at the time. I know he was struggling with his own mental health and um, yeah. not that there's any excuse, but um, it just was a toxic situation that neither of us really knew how to navigate. Mm. Um, and we ended up having sex one night that wasn't consensual um, and it was intimate partner abuse it was that's what it was and it mm. didn't I didn't know really at the time because I was so out of my own body and my mind at that period I thought that Maybe it just wasn't what it was. Mm. I just kind of thought, oh, well, just it's just sex. But it wasn't consensual sex, so I wasn't present in that. Mm. And it was only years later with a therapist that he actually said to me, Jesse, like, that was abuse and you shouldn't mm. go through that. And it really changed my outlook on relationships mm. and violence and um yeah and I ended up becoming pregnant um I remember after that had happened I called my best friend and um I said you know this is this has happened and I'm unhappy I'm just I don't want to be here anymore I just don't know and she was incredible. I'll never forget. She was like, all right, let's just pack up your house mm. and move out. Let's just do it. You meant is as in you didn't want to be living in the same house as him or that you yeah. were having different? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I just wanted to leave him straight away. I think mm. internally I just knew that it was done and I had been not treated right. Yeah. And yeah, she came over, we packed my whole house. It was all my furniture. I used to, you know, I paid for everything and we just left. I left him mm-hmm. and I back, never. Mm. Uh, Sounds like a good friend. She's amazing, yeah. Mm. You always need that one, that one girlfriend for mm. your life. Like, yeah, she's the one. <laughs> <laughs> Anything can happen in my life and it'll be fine because she's, mm-hmm. she's, she's, she knows everything, you know. Mm. That's nice. Yeah. So, um, yeah, did he, yeah, what happened? Did, um, how did you find out you were pregnant? Um, so it was just like massive boobs, sore. Yeah. I just knew. It's just like my mm. body is just primed for pregnancy. I, Mm. Now I've had been pregnant. I love being, I had, I really enjoyed being pregnant. I love the physical nature of it. Mm. Um, And yeah, I just knew straight away, took a test, was pregnant, told my Mm. best friend. And I had known that medical abortions were available and I just thought that's what I'll do. I'll just do that at home. Um. Mm. So that's what, but I had to drive to Melbourne to get the pill for it. I, I yeah. wasn't able to access it 
through GP services. I don't know mm. whether it was like that then. That's just how I, I just contacted the clinic at that time, um, mm-hmm. drove all the way to come back. Um, mm-hmm. And all my pregnancies were before, like, it was like five weeks to seven weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So that's the route I went. And, you know, honestly, like, that was the worst experience of my life, the medical abortion, mm. truly. Um, mm. And I had no idea that it was going to be like that. Mm. And I actually, I was nannying at the time. That's what I did for work while I was studying. And I was looking mm. after gorgeous little kids. Mm. And I actually thought that I would be able to take <laughs> the abortion <laughs> and pass the pass it with a pad and be fine be able to work and I had a rude awakening it was honestly the most traumatic experience of my life because I couldn't Fancy. I know I'm I, sorry I don't mean to laugh That's no the no, horror no so is that what you ended up doing you took the pills when you were nannying these children yeah because I couldn't Mm. again abortion's a privilege I could take time off work so yeah yeah. I'll just I'll go up to Melbourne I'll Mm -hmm. kill and I'll keep working like Mm. and um I remember just just sitting there and it was the second pill that I'd and, and like I was fully having like mm. now that I've given birth I was having not the same I, for me it wasn't the same feeling it was similar it was mm. more because I wasn't mentally there I wasn't mm. mentally birthing I it was happening to me I wasn't a part of that experience and it was so so painful so painful Mm. I couldn't breathe I felt like I was passing out and I had these two kids there Mm. and I had to put on the tv for the whole six hours I was there for that day Mm -hmm. uh, because I needed to protect them and I needed to go away and stand in the kitchen and breathe through what was happening to my body and no one Mm. told me they just told me it was going to be heavy heavy cramping and they gave me like some pain relief I think it was like mm. panadort or something I don't even know but yeah yeah and um mm. horrific it was horrible and I remember you <sighs> had I listened to one of your podcasts of um a beautiful story I forget her name but mm. she, the, she spoke about her medical abortion and how tough it was and how she was so out of it. I think she smoked weed. I just laughed so no. much. No, yeah, yeah. And then she flushed the the clot, the fetus mm. when it passed, and she regretted that. Mm. I, when I heard that, I was like, "Wow, this is like that was me. Like I did that. I went to the toilet for the final kind of. I could feel how mm. feel the next surge. It was a contraction." And I sat on the toilet and the the, feed, the fetus came out and I could see it and I was so out of body because I was I was in so much pain mm. that I just flushed. I just flushed and I wished yeah. 
that didn't happen. I wish I had taken a moment to be like, this has happened. I've mm-hmm. made this decision and this is what it is. I felt like in that moment I didn't have control and I was mm-hmm. just, yeah, it was so tough. Mm-hmm. Luckily the kids were fine. Like they were, <sighs> they didn't know. Um, and oh. I can't believe I got through that day. It was uh, yeah, very horrified and impressed. Yeah. Yeah. You couldn't even write that into a it. sitcom. No, you couldn't. No. Actually, you, it would be funny if it you did, truly. In some ways. Oh, That's Jesse. But... Wow, that is quite a story. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how to take yeah. it. <laughs> and it just like, I know, no. I think about that moment and fuck, I was so strong to get to mm-hmm. all of that really truly mm-hmm. and um mm-hmm. yeah yeah it was it was it was full on yeah I um yeah, yeah on the subject of, of medical abortion abortion with pills I think it um I guess the way that it was talked to me um when I went in for my appointment was that yeah it was gonna be like a like strong period cramps and they mm. really recommended me to take pain medication um, you know, you're going to pass the pregnancy or pass tissue. But yes. I really wish that somebody, I guess there is that, that sentiment that you're trying to be really um, protective and using correct terminology that's mm. not offensive because some people don't yeah. want to refer to it as a baby. Yes, yeah, um, totally. But I, I almost wish that uh, they had talked more about like what I might find. Mm, yes. You know, like yes. you you might actually see the baby and you might want to take a moment to have a look at it you might mm. want to bury it some people do a ritual yeah. like talking about those aspects mm. that are not so clinical but are also just really involved in the process I think would really help people and I'm sure there are providers out there that do that but um yeah that's yeah. why I love podcast because I feel like it's a space where women can talk about these things maybe a young or someone will hear it and, and know what the reality is and decide what they would like to do mm. with that kind of experience. And I think the healthcare, you know, medical industry is based on patriarchy, oppression as well. And they don't talk about the spirituality of birth or the physiological mm. response of women. This It's like, we're scared to talk about women's bodies mm. and how it works, mm. you know, whether it be in sex or orgasm or birth or miscarriage or, or um, abortion. We're, mm. we, we don't talk about it as much as we should and especially in health. And, mm. you know, yes, I wholeheartedly agree they should, they should say this might happen, this, this will will happen to your body and this is might it might feel like this mm. you know but no it is medical medical yeah. yeah and um yeah that uh that is something I mean obviously I've had my own, own experience of a medical abortion but um yeah I remember once talking to a friend that was considering having a medical abortion and I was saying you know it was really intense it was it was like labor it was like really strong period cramps it was you know one of the hardest physical things I've ever done Mm. and then she went through it and she came to me after and was like you didn't tell me it was going to be that full-on I was like I I tried 
<laughs> yeah, and I guess like also people are gonna like there's mm. advantages to it being home. Yeah. And yeah. they're going to make that decision anyway. I had a friend who had mm. a medical abortion, went to sleep, took took the pain relief, went to sleep, woke up, and she was fine, had nothing. And yeah, wow. No yeah. kind of feeling. So it's really individual. Mm. And, like, for me, menstruating, I love menstruating. I love the whole thing about it. I love feeling mm. my blood come out of my body. And, you know, it's not like period cramps for me but Mm. maybe it is for other women you know I don't know yeah I think that it brings up the the fact that um there's no one right choice having a a procedural or surgical abortion is not better than having a medical one vice versa like there's no need to involve pride or um shame in whatever you choose because it's yeah highly individual and it depends what you can tolerate and what's best for you your work situation mental health yes there's so many factors that go into it and listening to other women's stories has been really illuminating for that I think I'm happy that I experienced it honestly like it's like changed my perception totally on it beforehand and Mm. I I did feel more connected to my body through it Mm. it was a different experience It, it was real and um yeah I think it maybe made me reflect on my previous kind of detachments of my previous ones as well yeah and I I did I bless you (laughs) I just um I felt so much shame (laughs) again I Mm. just and I knew my rights and I was you know emerging more and more learning about abortion more and more and um I still was like wow this has happened again and what's wrong with me but nothing was wrong with me. I just was lost and I wasn't, you know, living in a way that was authentic to me. Mm. And this is the reality of people's lives. Mm. Not perfect. And we have to make hard decisions. And yeah, this is what it is. Yeah. And um, I know that you moved out of that house pretty much immediately, but Mm -hmm. did you ever inform your ex-partner that you did become pregnant or tell him what happened I didn't no I never spoke to him really again Mm. um and yeah Mm. so how did you go um yeah with emotionally processing that abortion and that experience obviously there's a lot of factors there and you don't have to talk about all of them I guess it was a journey for me I went to therapy for grief. Mm. I think my story is like grief, abortion, becoming a mother. That's my story. Mm. And um, counselling was the best thing that I ever did. I saw a psychologist and he just talked me through my life story, Mm. helped me to make sense of my life and my role and like my, my, me as a person in society. Mm. And um, I really came out of that experience very proud of myself and also, like, I think that everyone should have therapy. It's not accessible to everyone. Um, Mm. And um, I also, I recognise it's hard to find good, someone that suits you. But that experience was good for me and um, he showed me, you know, that I, I was 
working I was I was surviving and um Mm. I also out of that really I just that those years after that I really blossomed you know I left this abusive relationship with this abusive man and I was free and I and I just I look back at that girl and I'm so proud of her she just left she moved to Melbourne no money no work like didn't know what I wanted to do you know I didn't use my degree um my bachelor's degree and and then I realized I started becoming more and more passionate about social justice and Mm. I said I want to be a social worker and then I ended up doing my master's and I had the best life I just I grew so much I just and I worked through the shame of the abortion my stories and um I was liberated honestly Mm. and I still live with grief every day and I still struggle with mental health um particularly postpartum Mm. um but I know that I am resilient and I know how to ask for help and I know Mm. myself so much more and I'm proud and that's why I wanted to talk about my story today and that's Mm. why I love this podcast because I remember reading a story about a woman who had two abortions and she went on to have a a baby of herself and I was like wow oh I'm not the only one and then I thought oh she had a healthy baby and I really thought that that wouldn't happen for me. I thought that maybe I wasn't allowed or worthy mm. enough to have a healthy, beautiful baby, mm. um, my own child, because of what happened. And then I read that story and I thought, oh, yes, she is just like me and she has a right to have a child when she wants to have a child. And I knew, I knew that, but you still got to work through that internalized shame, I guess. Mm. Oh, yes. Beautiful. Yeah. So, and then, yeah, that's a, I, um, yeah, I love looking back on my life. Like that, that period is just so fun and yeah, mm. lots of growth, so much growth. Mm. And um, that's a good segue, I guess, into your now a mother yourself. Yes. You have become that story yourself. So did you want to take a moment and um, walk us through your journey to your son? I would love to. Mm -hmm. Um, So I met my partner um, and I guess literally the moment I met him, I was like, like I want to have my baby with him like I just Mm. wanted and yearned I just knew I don't know and he knew too and Mm -hmm. um, it was just amazing I I didn't ever think that I could love like that I didn't think that I could be seen and Mm. supported like that I didn't like I knew that it could exist, but um, yeah, I just couldn't believe it. Mm. And um, yeah, I I guess we 
just fell in love and things moved quite fast like within the the two years of us being together we moved in together and um COVID hit mm-hmm. and um, we were in ISO together and we just managed amazingly and we mm. decided to move to the country together mm. and start our lives here um yeah and because I really think that we just wanted to have our baby here um and yeah I fell pregnant and I just yeah I remember looking at the pregnancy test and just thinking oh like I wasn't afraid I don't know mm. I know there can be a lot of fear but I was like happy mm. and I was like I need to just take a moment to experience this time that this is my baby Mm. this is going to be my baby and I just knew and then um I went through like I did a lot of work in my pregnancy for my birth of like letting go of fear Mm. um as I said like I had a lot of fears around maybe I wouldn't be able to have a baby because of what has happened in my past and Mm. I really had to work. I did hypnobirthing and I let go mm. of that fear and it worked. And I ended up having a really positive birth. And even though like I was within a system in a hospital, I had to advocate for myself, which is like a whole nother story, but mm. um, it ties in with the context of, you know, birthing people and um motherhood and um Mm -hmm. anyway yeah my son was born and um I remember when he was I was like passing out at the end um between my surges and I knew the last surge was he was going to come and um I kind of looked up and it was so quiet because it was just moments before he was emerging and I just asked my mum for strength and I believe that she was there that morning and Mm. the sun was coming up and he was born and as soon as I saw him I just knew he was my baby and maybe he was always my baby. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um. And something about him, when I look in his eyes, I see her. Mm. And I'm not saying that having a baby has helped with my grief or it replaces anything, but it definitely makes me feel like something else is out there or Mm. everything had happened for a reason for me to have this baby Mm -hmm. in that time. And I wouldn't have him if it wasn't for my story and my decisions that I made. Mm. Oh, it's beautiful talking about your (laughs) mum that way. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I feel her all the time in mothering. Mm. Um, And, you know, mothering for me has been a lot of grief, Um, grief that we don't have community the way we should as mothers the loneliness, the monotonous every day. It's like Mm -hmm. 
mind-numbing and extraordinary and Mm. so hard and you know we should have our aunties and our sisters and our elders around cooking for us and being there every day but we live in a world Mm. especially post-covid where we're all so disconnected and um I think there's a lot of grief in within that and then grief of my own losing my own mother in motherhood so Mm. yeah it's been massive and I just wanted to yeah put my story out there because I know that it um it will help some other women Mm. yeah well thank you for sharing (laughs) your story with me it's um yeah, it's been really beautiful to hear you talk about your experiences and to have obviously done so much self-reflection um, mm. and processing and integration. I really loved how, yeah, you spoke about therapy as a really beneficial tool for you mm. um, to work through lots of different things that came up in your life. Mm. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, just I really honour you and thank you for being brave and reaching out and coming here and speaking to me today, even though we've never met, we've just talked over Instagram (laughs) and yeah, yeah, for trusting me. So thank you. Oh, and thank you so much for the work you're doing. This is like groundbreaking. It is invigorating and inspiring and liberating. I feel liberated and I feel like it's so important to talk about abortion as healthcare, as a right mm-hmm. in our world against patriarchy, against abuse of power. Mm-hmm. It's all that we have. Mm. Not everyone. It's one tool that some have mm. against the world that we live in. And I want to talk about it because we need to talk about it because it's been ripped away from us. It's like, I can see it happening. So, yeah, Mm. thank you for doing this. It's really so important. And when I heard the other beautiful um, episodes, I was just like, oh, I feel so connected. I I just want to talk to these women and I'm good. So thank Mm. you. (laughs) You're welcome. Thanks (laughs) for your kind words. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Australian Abortion Stories. If today's story or episode has brought things up for you or triggered you in any way, I really encourage you to take care of yourself. If you can, take some time to process what's coming up for you, maybe by journaling, going for a walk or speaking with a trusted loved one. Um, And perhaps by listening, you are recognizing that you have some things you'd like to work through in regards to your own abortion experience, in which case I encourage you to find a mental health care professional that you resonate with and embark on that journey with them. If you've enjoyed this episode and gotten something out of it, I'd love if you could share it to your socials or with somebody who you think may benefit from hearing it. If you're feeling really generous, uh, you can leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts app, which really helps to increase the reach of the podcast and it's very easy and takes only a minute or so to do. You can also contact me via Instagram at Australian Abortion Stories. Um, And if you're somebody who is considering sharing their story in the podcast, you're interested in that, you can let me know via email, which I'll pop in the show notes and I will send you some more details. So that's it for today. Stay tuned for another episode coming in a fortnight's time. And until then, go well.
and take care of yourself and your loved ones.